All right, everybody, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 53 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, and uh, he has asked me to read this following announcement verbatim so now i ask you all to give a robust royal welcome to the young dashing handsome critically acclaimed academy award-winning member of the white family my co-host travis thank you sir i appreciate that introduction was that good you for doing exactly what i said okay okay you're welcome I Man, I sound like a pompous jerk. <laughs> that that will make sense to you listeners later on in the evening. <laughs> you asked for it, buddy. I did. I demanded it. You did. So. <laughs> oh man, I am a creature of the night right now. I'm outside on my back porch. Uh, my re- recording studio, aka house, is uh, being occupied. So I'm on the back porch. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna do this out in the uh, campfire style. So we. Creatures of the night out here. Hopefully, you guys can hear all the crickets and cicadas and bears out here in East Tennessee. You're just embracing (laughs) the spirit of the Undertaker, the Lord of Darkness, doing the podcast out in the darkness. It's a live episode, you know? We'll call it that. Yes, absolutely. You get a live audience. Exactly. It's live. It's, well, speaking of darkness, would you like to let our listeners in on a little bit of the Ministry of Darkness and what happened to us. Yeah, this is also the second time we've recorded this episode. You know, maybe I jinxed it because I, I put on Twitter after we recorded it that I thought it was our best episode yet. Uh, maybe <laughs> As did I. <laughs> maybe we were hating on The Undertaker a little too much and, and his craziness. Maybe he got mad at us so Paul Bearer came and, and stole the audio. I don't know what happened. Uh, I do know what happened. I accidentally deleted the file. Uh, before I can go in and edit it and spent all evening tonight looking up random solutions but it just didn't work out so we're re-recording this for you our listeners to dive into the excitement of Capital Carnage 1998. This is episode 53B so yeah episode 53A is lost in the ether it got deleted I think Matt Hardy he's been putting these cryptic tweets online I think he just oh, came in that, that's got, got upset yeah he's mad we're not doing like a you know uh, I don't know hankering for Hardy or something so I don't know mixing you know, up with Matt it, it might have been it might have been Tim Allen because we were trash talking him on the last episode <laughs> <laughs> we, we did trash talk Tim Allen on the first time we recorded this so we thought about doing talking Tim uh, Allen, the tool man. So we'll see. That doesn't make any sense to any of you listening, nope. but it they made sense will. to us, and it was it was pure gold. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll let that one go, and we'll do this again, and it's going to be fun, and we're ready to buckle up and move on. And we're actually we're going to fly over across the pond to London, England here on December six ninety eight. Is where we're going to be covering. So, but first we got some build up. We mentioned on our last episode fifty two. Again, thanks again for. The year we've had uh, for all of our fans and for everyone who's been celebrating for us and with us and making little memes or whatever on Twitter and thanks for the, all that and all the support. But um, we uh, we're gonna we mentioned last week that um you know we weren't sure if we we're gonna do Capital Carnage or Rock Bottom or how we're gonna put them together, but basically all the build up to Rock Bottom builds up to Capital Carnage as well, and they um 
they used the build up during the Capital Carnage match and stuff. So we're gonna we decided to do this as two separate shows. We're gonna do Capital Carnage here, and then next week we'll be covering Rock Bottom, as long as it doesn't get deleted. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, and yeah, this no, is. I'm just I, that was not a that was not a run, run on you. That was a run on the creatures of the darkness. And I can take it. The night coming and stealing good. our stuff. <laughs> Uh, the, the last episode was embalmed alive, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, um, as you said, we're going to cover, we're going to split this up. We're going to do all the buildup uh, for uh, the, these first three weeks of Raw following Survivor Series, then hit Capital Carnage, and then we've got one more week of Raw and a couple episodes of Heat uh, to cover leading into Rock Bottom in your house uh, as we close out 1998 and... Really, I mean, having this pay-per-view honestly gives us a little chance to break things up because these are some incredibly uh, ridiculous and eventful episodes in The Undertaker's career uh, in these episodes of Raw. So there's a good bit to talk about, and uh, especially on that episode of Raw we'll get to on Rock Bottom. There's quite a bit to talk about on that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it, it's, it actually works out pretty perfect to split them all up here. Even if you might look at this and think, How, why, what is there even to talk about with Capital Carnage 1998? Did I call it Capital Combat earlier? I might have. I can't remember. But no, Capital I don't Carnage. think you, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I'm, I went to WCW. I'm not in the darkness. Town. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the time traveling hearse has wings and it's uh, flown us back uh, across the pond into the night after Survivor Series 1998. So we're going to dive in with Raw episode 286 on November 16th, 1998. Of course, we left off with The Undertaker defeating his brother Kane, but then losing to The Rock in the Deadly Game tournament because of interference from his brother Kane. And The Rock would go on to win the title. Uh, uh, defeating Mankind in the final round, joining Team Corporate, as it's called at this point in time, in a historic, uh, incredibly well-done, memorable storyline. And that's how things are going to kick off Raw, with Vince McMahon finally getting to celebrate his true corporate champion he's been searching for for the past year, really. Yeah, it's it's really compelling storytelling. You're talking about, you know, that's the key here to all this sometimes the match quality doesn't matter if the storytelling's good enough and like you you mentioned on our last episode that uh you know he's been trying to find his corporate champion for a long time and he tried to make austin the corporate champion that lasted one night and you know and then kane didn't work out for him and you know he's he's had austin kind of at bay for two months here and title's been upheld and here you go you got the rock as his corporate champion so yeah it's all it's really long-term storytelling and really cool stuff and yeah this is the night after deadly games like you said and Again, we're talking Taker, but I just want to put it into context for people, just so you can remember which episode this was. Uh, if you, if it jogs your uh, your memory here, this is the episode where you know Rock explains his actions and Shamrock joins Corporation, and Hawk um, does not spread his wings and fly, but he actually <laughs> falls <laughs> off of the Titantron in an apparent suicide attempt. So I just remember watching that and being completely uncomfortable. Uh, and I think you and I were on the phone at the time or even afterward and just talking about how uneasy it made us feel as 12-year-olds. As it was not good. Uh, it, it made me feel uneasy as a 32-year-old watching it. It's still <laughs> yeah. not good. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we've dealt with a lot of death, really, in the uh, context of The Undertaker on this show. And that's one thing, but... Gosh, to have this attempted murder slash attempted suicide on there, especially with a guy 
that had real life drug problems and would end up in the future dying from those sorts of things. Man, uh, a low point for the Russo era, for the Attitude era, for sure. Well, yeah, for sure. And as you mentioned, there's lots of homicide and suicide and attempted murders going on these last couple months of WWF television. So we're going to see that more oh, yes. as we continue on to these episodes of Raw and stuff. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, so... um. Yeah, exciting stuff. So, um, but the main event of this night is Austin getting his his title shot finally against The Rock. And again, I just wanted to point out that it's a cool idea because you know if you guys remember back that Austin actually won it back from Kane the night after Kane won it. You know, so in my opinion, that's good programming, good counter programming to Nitro. You know, because people always want to see a title match. And again, like you know, they they built the precedent that Austin won it a few months ago. So you know. Pretty cool, but again, Austin says it'll be his last, or excuse me, Vince says it'll be Austin's last shot. So um, this match winds up being more of an angle, honestly. Yeah, and thankfully we had Judge Mills Lane interrupt the opening promo to make sure that Stone Cold Steve Austin (laughs) would get his WWF Championship match. And I was a huge Celebrity Deathmatch fan, and so that made me a Judge Mills Lane fan. So I was excited to hear... Let's get it on <laughs> at the beginning Absolutely. of this episode of Raw. Thank goodness. What a blast from <laughs> the past, dude. Oh, yeah, man. What's your favorite Celebrity Deathmatch match? Oh, Is it Austin? Man. Uh, dude, I can't think of a particular one, but I did watch that show pretty religiously when it was on oh, MTV. I got mine. And uh, I had the video game, even, for PlayStation, and it was awful. Yes, <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> but uh, I love the show. Yeah, what's your favorite? Oh, my favorite Scott Savage Eddie Vedder. Oh, obviously, <laughs> huge <laughs> Pearl Jam mark myself. So, and you and I both lo- do love Creed. We're the only two people that love Creed, <laughs> and we'll admit it. <laughs> no, no, we don't talk about that. Oh, sorry. No, Wait, no, no. can we lose this episode too? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna cut that part out. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that time we were really into Scott Stapp's solo record for a few months. Well, that helped, bring, that helped bring us to a rough patch in our in our actual relationship. So. <laughs> who who anyway, won that celebrity we'll death that. match? I don't even remember. I just I think Eddie Vedder ripped out Scott Stapp's vocal cords, if okay, I remember good. correctly, or right. vice versa. I don't know. I just remember it was awesome seeing Eddie Vedder. So as a claymation thing. So. <laughs> oh, anyway, I think the guy voicing him sounded nothing like him. Most oh, of it was a celebrity death match. Was, didn't sound anything like real yeah. counterparts. Yeah, except Judge Bill's Lane, because it was Judge Bill's Lane. And Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we got Judge Bill's Lane here on Raw. And, uh, yeah, like this match, again, it's Austin and Rock. Mine's up being more of a of an angle, like I said, and Boss Man comes down, or Mankind comes out to get Vince, you know, continuing all this stuff. Boss Man and Shamrock beat him down. Austin is about to get the three count, and Hebner gets pulled out by Shamrock, and then... The camera shows us Taker, who's popped up out of nowhere, and he's got a shovel. He's coming down the ramp with Paul Bear and um, gets into the ring and hits a Stone Cold Steve Austin right across the head to cause a DQ. And um, goes to hit him again, but Paul Bear stops him. So that caused a DQ, and Taker's uh, commentary is kind of speculating on if Taker has joined the, the corporate uh, stable here or why did he assault Taker? Or, excuse me, why did he assault Austin here? So, and why does he have a shovel in the first place? <laughs> Since when does he carry a <laughs> shovel around? I guess him and Paul Bear were digging up bones somewhere, maybe. Digging up bones, <laughs> digging up bones. Exactly. 
maybe they're maybe they were in um, catering and just couldn't find a ladle or something. I, like you know, since Paul Bear loves it, he loves the gravy. Uh, I have no idea. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, this was kind of confusing to me, to be honest. Uh, and we can talk about more of this on the next episode of Raw. But to me, it was like. And I guess Undertaker goes into this on the next week that he's seeking revenge for Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, for him getting in his way of the WWF Championship. And I was a little when I first was watching this episode of Raw, I was thinking, why is Undertaker going after Austin? Because at Survivor Series last night, it was Kane who was the one who cost Undertaker the match. <laughs> so we're kind of and that's who he's been focused on this past month. So it's. Almost like we're forgetting all of that happened and having to go back to Judgment Day to get back to this issue with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I kind of thought that was a little bit of sloppy storytelling here, but you know, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean they've all been in, they've all been involved together with this Deadly Games, but you're right. There's been no like direct, um, you know, Austin Taker like instances really it's just been in the background kind of lingering so you're right it kind of they took a month off of this feud and then uh you know did deadly games which is you know got everything right but then yeah they come right back to it with kind of just you know out of nowhere and honestly this is going to lead to you know them having another confrontation that we'll cover next week that's you know not really a show stealer (laughs) either so kind of maybe 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 Going to the well too many times here with Austin and Taker. So yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, uh, there is heat in between these two episodes. Are all, uh, although not too much is going on on heat. Um, we do find out officially from Vince McMahon that the match there will be a match between Stone Cold and the Undertaker at In Your House Rock Bottom, and it will be a buried alive match. So I guess that explains the Undertaker's uh, use of the shovel on the last week's episode of Raw. And we get the announcement that tomorrow night there's going to be a new independent free-thinking commissioner appointed because Sergeant Slaughter will be stepping down from his position. So we're going to get that revealed on the next episode of Raw. Yeah, absolutely. And again, Vince says that, you know, Austin's never going to be – he guarantees Austin's never going to be champion, but he can qualify for the Rumble by beating Taker. So that match has stakes at least at rock bottom. But it's, again, like – if he's never going to be champion, why would you give him the opportunity by letting him get in the Rumble? It doesn't make any sense. So, um, And we have the benefit of hindsight knowing what actually does happen here. So it's just like, what's out? There's what a logic thinking? gap there, too. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want him to be in it, why don't you just not put him in the Rumble? So have him fight Gilbert or something, Dwayne Gill instead. <laughs> I don't know. Or, But anyway, one cool thing on this night of heat is uh, throughout the night they're discussing how Steve Austin – is in the hospital because he collapsed at a live event in San Jose, California. So I wonder if Meltzer was there. But um, near the end of the night, we get a phone call from Blackjack Lanza. <laughs> Calls in Sunday night heat, you know, on location, and says that Austin has a concussion, and it's because of that shovel by the head from Taker. So I have no idea who decided to pull Blackjack Lanza out of the bowels of WWF lore. But I know yeah. he really worked there as a shoot, but he hadn't been a character on TV forever <laughs> no that was really random and i don't think we see or hear much else from him i guess <laughs> no. maybe he was actually at that maybe he was an agent for the house show he probably was then, probably something like that yeah but uh interesting but it is cool and, and we're gonna see more of it on 
on Raw the next night, uh, 287, November 23rd, 1998, uh, they use this angle that they shot at a house show to build into Raw. So I always appreciate when they do that, try to make the house show seem important, try to show you interesting, cool stuff that was happening on those. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Oh, yeah. And um, this, well, yeah, it's always cool. Like, you know, remember last year, I think AJ won the U.S. US title title. at Madison Square Garden House show. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I didn't even mention this when we we recorded this the other night. Is that um, it's always cool when you have something happens at a house show. Because I remember my first house show, which I incorrectly said, I want to apologize to our listeners. I incorrectly said that the Nitro where Goldberg beat Hogan was my first show. It was my first Nitro, but my first actual house show was in April of that year. And there was a Chris Benoit versus... um, Booker T match. It was and it was part of their best of seven, and it was in Augusta, Georgia. And Chris Benoit actually won the U.S. title or TV title from Booker T that night. Um, pretty cool. And I remember them showing that on Nitro later on. But they, I think they had switched it back the next night. But they they did mention it on Nitro, which is pretty cool. So yeah. Anyway, I, it is cool when stuff like that happens at a house show. I was there too. I didn't realize you were also there. I was at the yeah. same one. Yes. We were uh, there. Yeah, we were not together, yep. but uh, I don't think I even... No. Nope. I'm sure we've talked about it before, but I don't remember that. Uh, sure. I was, I was going to say the same thing. That same moment, uh, I went crazy. I went nuts because back then... Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, Chris Benoit was my favorite wrestler in the whole world. Yep. Uh, in 1998, even in WCW, I loved him, and it was just crazy because even... Then at 12 years old, I realized that was pretty rare. You know, you didn't see the title change hands at a non-televised thing. So something special yeah. is happening. And I believe it, it's officially in the lineage. You know, sometimes they it do is, that yeah. and it doesn't count. But uh, I think that one, I think they did it a couple times on that house show loop even. They switched it back and forth a yeah. couple times. And uh, it is officially part of the lineage in there. So pretty cool memory there that we got to share. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. But... Anyway, house shows are cool, <laughs> or live events as they're called nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they bring that house show stuff into this build for you know going into rock bottom, which again, Capital Carnage is kind of a pit stop on the way, but it does it does play play a bit. But um, we see this footage of Austin collapsing at the house show. You know, they show us that this is you said two eighty seven, I believe. Yeah, November twenty third. So, and it's just I just want to say it's it's really cool in my opinion how they sold this headshot from the the uh, uh, shovel. You know, this was, you know, because later on, as we can see the hardcore title become more prominent, we see, you know, people no-sell, you know, trash cans to the lid or tra- trash cans to the head or stop signs or thousand tables they break through. And it's just like, it's really nice to see a simple headshot from a shovel take actually mean something. But it might go a little too far, as we see here in a minute. So. <laughs> I well, say that with a dot, dot, dot. So. Yeah, yeah. So let's jump into it. There's really... This episode of Raw is has one long thread of a story that's being told throughout the entire episode. I mean, there's you know nearly a dozen of these backstage segments that we're gonna get to see building up to this storyline with Undertaker and Austin and Paul Bearer and eventually Kane. Uh, but before we jump right into that, uh, the announcement of the new commissioner is that it's going to be none other yes. than. <clears throat> the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, as Vince McMahon goes back into 1997 love affair mode with Shawn Michaels here. He gets so excited to announce him as the new commissioner. Yeah, he drops totally out of Mr. McMahon character mode and back into Vince McMahon with the uh, denim Raw's War black shirt on and, and announces him just like he did, you know, between 95 and 97. So, yeah, it is funny to watch that, you know. 
And uh, yeah, got Shawn Michaels unbiased. You know, for a free thinker, thinks for himself. So we'll see how that plays. But I love it because Vince says, you know, as you all know, I don't lie, which made me laugh out loud. You know, he, so because he, he says that he he had nothing to do with Taker's attack last week on Austin. He's like, as you know, I don't lie. So again, we'll see what that builds to. Um, as we all know, what's coming in the future. You know, he and Taker are going to be in collusion eventually, but not right here quite yet. So. Not quite yet, as far as we know. As far as we know. As far as we know. Uh, now, as you said, Austin is selling that chair, sh- or excuse me, a shovel, sh- shovel shot to the head. It's hard to say that. And yeah. uh, his concussion, uh, I'm assuming that's what he's been diagnosed with here. So here's where problem number one is for me, that we cut to a shot of Stone Cold Steve Austin lying in a hospital bed. Now, again, we obviously realize how... Dangerous concussions can be, especially nowadays. Uh, you know, we probably did back then, but I guess not to the same level that we do nowadays. But for me, that's just something that I don't want to see, or that I don't think they should show, is Stone Cold Steve Austin lying vulnerable in a hot hospital bed. It just takes away so much of his aura. He is this anti-hero. He's John Wayne. He's the toughest guy on the block. This is a guy that broke his neck in a match and, and walked away from it. So, you know, it, yeah. and to see him in a hospital bed a day after he collapsed in the ring, just, I don't know, man, there's something about it that just doesn't click. Uh, it takes away from the superhero aspect of it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Yeah, like I said, it's like seeing John Wayne like that. or It's like seeing Terminator, you know? Terminator yeah. got beat up in a yeah. match and he's sitting in a hospital bed, you know, like that's no one wants to see that. Like that's part of his allure is that he's the tough guy that can't get, you know, beat down, and doesn't sell when he gets beat down. Like you said, he legit broke his neck yeah. and walked away on spaghetti legs. But he walked away because he did. He knew his character enough to say, I can't show them this, you know, vulnerability. I mean, Pritchard even said something to wrestle a few weeks ago he says you know steve didn't he wanted to walk out on his own he didn't want to you know seem vulnerable and then a few four months later here he is you know in a hospital bed again and it's because we know it's a you know it's part of the kayfabe it's 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 the work you know if it was legit a shoot him laying in a hospital bed it'd be like that's one thing but we know it's work here so it's just it is weird man it kind of takes you know it's a concussion too not to take anything away from a concussion but it's not a broken leg it's not a broken neck. You know, he doesn't... Yeah, he's he's uh, not in a halo. Yeah. No, he doesn't need to be sitting at the hospital selling this, in my opinion. Taking so, pills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he could have been... I think you mentioned this in our last episode, that he could have been at home, you know? He could have been at home resting, you know, on the... I guess he didn't have Broker School Ranch at that point, but, you know, uh, wherever he was living, uh, would have been just... Told just exactly the same story as we're going to get here yeah i think it would have made a lot more sense for what we're getting into here so let's jump into it uh we cut again to the hospital a little bit later in the show austin's giving an autograph for one of the attendants there and apparently jim ross is able to communicate telepathically with stone cold steve austin somehow talks to him and they've always had a connection oh that's true yeah (laughs) austin tells jr that Taker and Paul Bear are going to have hell to pay in the Buried Alive match. And then, uh, much like they did in your house a couple weeks ago when we were recording, the uh, lights begin to flicker and go out in the hospital room. <laughs> and we see a hearse pull up outside the hospital. Totally normal. 
Yeah, completely normal. And thank God there was a camera guy outside filming right. whatever cars drive up yeah. to the hospital that day. So, <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. A little later on after commercial, we see the hearse again outside, and then we cut to the hospital room. And as you see that, you see Taker standing over Austin, and he starts to smother him with a, I guess, a chloroform rag or ether or whatever it is. And um, But I want to let you tell us about what happens a split second before he actually starts to beat him up. Well, unfortunately, we cut to it like a half a second too early because you can go back and watch this. Undertaker is on top of Austin, and then the camera cuts to them, and then you see Undertaker wait a second before he starts smothering Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it, it reminded me of you know that story of Saturday night's main event where Hogan and Savage are in the hospital with Elizabeth and Hogan has to ask for the tizam from uh, somebody off camera <laughs> before <laughs> I've said that three times at work this week. What's no the lie. I said, what's the tizam? Yes. <laughs> All because of that. <laughs> So, yeah. If those of you who don't know, you got to go watch that. It's classic. What's a Tizam? And it's, I think uh, Dick Eversall is producing that. Yeah, that was segment. Yeah. Their timing was off or something. So it's so good. But yeah, it would have been great if if Taker would have said, "What's a Tizam?" And then they would have gone this. But this was one of those things where pre-tape. I guess they. I don't. I guess they pre-taped this, but they yeah. mistimed it just a hair. So it was, it was funny to see. But I was wondering, man, is it? Oh, yeah, it is. I was wondering, is this chloroform rag the same one from WrestleMania when he took out Gun- Giant Gonzalez, who's who's the only person that almost blemished his undefeated record at WrestleMania? Yeah, so. you know, I think Undertaker is too much of a craftsman to to use the same ether rag <laughs> five years later. He probably made up a special one. You know, he makes makes his own caskets, makes his own headstones. Uh, he probably sewed his own ether rag. That's true. True, true, true. Well, I stand corrected. It was just, it made me think, it made oh, me think. I don't know for sure, I'm just anyway, guessing. But, <laughs> oh, but yeah, we got this segment, Bear and Taker smothering Austin on the ground, and Austin, it, he's actually doing a good job selling, like, lifelessness, and he actually, like, quote-unquote, falls asleep, and Taker says, You see, boy, this is where you get off. This is your last ride. We've heard him say last ride a few times here and um that again that'll play a part in his future career here so they then load up austin into a hearse pull away from the hospital so tell me why the cameraman a just watched and why anyone in the hospital let this giant guy in tights and a fat man carry a lifeless body out of the hospital bed yes why are they letting him into the hospital room why is no one stopping any of this well, any of it's happening, did they kill everyone in the hospital or, or put them out with ether rags? What is going on here? Because <laughs> it's not like it's not like Taker's in his you know sweatpants and his combat boots and no, his biker hat. He's, he's in, in his gear, his outfit. <laughs> yeah. And again, this just goes back to what you were saying earlier. This could, all could have been avoided if you just have Stone Cold sitting at home, selling his injuries from the night before. He couldn't make it to Raw, couldn't get on the yeah. plane. So Undertaker goes to his house and breaks into his house and kidnaps him. You don't have the problem of yeah. uh, having to explain, or not explain, because they never do, uh, 
how he was able to get through <laughs> right. security at the hospital and, and get into that room and, and walk out with him over his shoulder. Uh, he didn't even put him in a body bag or anything <laughs> like that. No. <laughs> sloppy, no. sloppy. That's to come. That's to come. And that's not even the yeah, worst sloppy. of it. So much more. No, Just yeah. on this episode of Raw. Yeah, this is still the same episode we're talking about. But a little bright spot in this episode of Raw is uh, just a little fun fact for you. Is this where Christian loses the uh, light boy title to your boy, Mr. Dwayne Gill? So. Oh, a great moment, of course. And he holds that title for four, 448 days, <laughs> which is absurd. So. <laughs> and amazing. I was a big fan of it, of course. The job squad is all over this episode of Raw. Oh, yeah. They're incredible. Do you think that they were like the New World Order? Like, yes. honestly, the way they're taking over. <laughs> they're all over it. Uh, of course, these segments with Taker and Austin are all over it, too. We're going to go back to the see the hearse now pulling up to a giant hole in the ground. Uh, we're assuming it's a cemetery here. And Taker is going to pull Austin's lifeless body out of the back of the hearse, dump him in a pile of dirt, and... Paul Bear is going to tell him to dig just a little bit deeper there, boy. Uh, <laughs> not quite six feet under yet. Jim, Jim Cornette running. <laughs> ah, he's a he. <laughs> you bear somebody oh. alive, he's a he. Exactly. Oh, so, yeah, Bear is in Austin's face at this point. And Austin comes to and starts choking out. Paul Bear, or no, yeah, starts choking Paul Bear, and then Taker drops his shovel and starts using more, starts choking Austin, and Paul Bear uses more quote unquote ether on him, and then Taker decides to pivot here. He uh, says, "Austin, bury you alive? That's just too good for you." And then Bear is like, "What are we gonna do?" <laughs> so Taker says, "We're gonna embalm him alive." Of course, that's the next step. Which, what else would you do? I mean, that got out of hand real fast. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to embalm him. I just want to say, I spelled embalm for most of this. It's embalm, E-M-B-A-L-M. So, yeah, it's just a little, those of you doing spelling bees, just pay attention. It's E-M-B-A-L-M. So, not E-N. Anyway, so, yeah, that's their new plan, to embalm Austin alive. So, we're going we're gonna to have attempted murder again coming up soon. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, the commentary is screaming about how Paul Bear and Taker have, have ta- really taken it too far this time. And JR uh, hits a quote here that's uh, going to become famous in about two decades. <laughs> yes, he does. He says that, that Paul Bear and Undertaker are on the lunatic fringe. So they're so crazy they're on the lunatic fringe, which I honestly thought was some stupid nickname they'd come up with for Dean Ambrose several years ago. And Apparently, we'll uh, lay that to rest at JR's lips here in 1998. It's all his so fault. it's all his fault. Yeah. So again, um, we, we're going to just go ahead and twist this in their talking take away and say that talking Undertaker was responsible for <laughs> D. Ambrose's gimmick. Absolutely. So, who's freshly returned off the injured list? So welcome back, Hunter Hearst Ambrose. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he looks like. Undertaker invented everything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So this is all going to conclude with the hearse pulling up to a funeral oh, home, just a random funeral home that Undertaker <laughs> has taken possession of here. Uh, they get out of the hearse, drag Austin's dead body, uh, limp, lifeless body inside, and Undertaker lays Austin on the cold, hard slab, starts trash-talking him while Paul Bearer gets all 
is all gleeful and getting ready, prepared, doing oh. embalming. You never seen him so excited. He's putting his gloves on, puts a little uh, stiff board behind Austin's head to raise it up. And of course, Undertaker makes the classic villain mistake of trying to cut a promo on his victim. <laughs> yes. Oh, you never cut the promo or reveal your evil plan before you do it. You just nope. do it. You just do you it. You just you just go with Nike and you just do it. You don't you don't reveal. So yeah, Taker starts saying, you know, you can't tempt fate, Austin, and uh, you can't disturb the ministry. It doesn't have to be this way, but this is your fault. This is what you get when you cross the line to the realm of darkness from which there is no escape, which I don't remember Austin crossing any line into the no, realm of darkness. Not really. I believe he got sucked in here. Um, and then he says, this is the final road for you, Austin, which, again, bringing up that highway to hell stuff. And they're on the road together. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> it coming is. into the Royal Rumble. Survey says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> This is almost as off the rails as the other <laughs> night was. This is great. <laughs> uh, so at this point, uh, they cut the shirt off of Austin and removed the EKG leads. So I do appreciate that continuity. Absolutely. There. And uh, yeah, Taker then tells him that he's going to endure the most unimaginable pain you could ever imagine. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you're going to endure the most unimaginable pain that you can ever imagine. What do they say in uh, Big Show's song? Uh, you won't see it coming. Uh, uh, it, it's something you'll never know. You won't see it coming, but I promise you'll know. Yeah. It's <laughs> that sort of logic right You'll never know. You won't see it coming, but I promise you'll know. It's the Big Show. Yeah, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, it's like Christian used to say, you, if you didn't know, now you now know. Now you know. <laughs> exactly. So then things get really out of hand. They become deathless. They become immortal. Well, we find that Undertaker knows how to speak in tongues. He starts chanting some sort of ridiculous nonsense. He pulls out. Well, it looks like a giant ice pick or some sort of <laughs> knife, and it's about to plunge it into Stone Cold Steve Austin's <laughs> chest when, thankfully, Kane shatters through the glass in the door and rescues Steve Austin. Somehow Kane magically knew where they've been this whole time, uh, shoves Paul Bear at the way, starts uh, slugging at The Undertaker, but Paul Bear is not to be distracted from the task at hand. He's going to try to continue embalming Austin here. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he is. He tries to go stab Austin, and uh, Austin comes to and blocks him and falls off the table, and he kind of crawls away as we, quote-unquote, lose transmission here. The feed goes out, kind of like it did with the Pillman gun angle. So, um, lose transmission, and I just, man, in my notes, man, I just wrote that was some next-level weirdness, man. Like, I mean, you got we got to give the guys props for going with it and selling it and doing a good job because, again, Austin's acting when he's playing a dead body is really good i mean i would laugh the entire time so um, oh. he's doing a great job of that and they're going with it they're all in um, all of these guys are super committed <laughs> even especially yeah. one level of commitment look at stone cold throughout this entire night he is completely barefoot throughout all of these segments 
from the graveyard. He's barefoot there. He's barefoot in an embalming room, which dude, I am sure. I, well, I don't really care how much they cleaned it, how much they bleached it. That is nasty. That so yes. gold was watered barefoot in an embalming room. Yuck. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's some commitment right there. I used to disinfect surgery rooms at a job, and uh, I would never walk barefoot in them, even though I'm the one that cleaned them and disinfected <laughs> them. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not walking barefoot in that. So, uh, And for those of you keeping score at home, uh, Shawn Michaels turned heel at the end of this, well, during the night and helped Rock retain his title against Xbox. So, so not fair, not un, not unbiased. You know, he's a corporate Corporate, uh, he's in the corporate pocket too. So yeah, Shawn just, Michaels has gone corporate, and the Undertaker has gone from insane. <laughs> yeah, he's gone from building <laughs> caskets and using that as like an intimidation factor against his opponents to literally trying to murder Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin. He has taken a hard turn into this evil territory. And things are going to escalate even more on next week's Raw. But, uh, again, oh, yeah. a couple things to note from Heat uh, on November 29th as well. We do get some comments from both Undertaker and Paul Bearer as well. This goes far beyond retribution. You will be sacrificed because you impede the progress of my ministry. So you come looking for me tomorrow. And I'll be waiting for once you look into the eyes of the Lord of Darkness. And then you'll truly understand that Monday was the beginning of the end. And tomorrow night, your soul will be sacrificed for the ministry of darkness. So that's getting deep, getting dark. And again, we don't know in storyline what this ministry of darkness is. Because yeah. all we know is you got Taker and Paul Bear. They were never called that back in the day. So he keeps talking about you're getting in the way of my, my ministry and... There's no, there's nothing here yet. You know, we'll see that come in in 1999. But, um, yeah. And then Paul Bear gets on the stick and has some, uh, drops a bomb. <laughs> well, he calls he calls his son Kane a total idiot uh, for interfering <laughs> with their plans and notes. Paul Bear notes that as Kane's legal guardian, he has the authority uh, he has the authority to sign some papers. And threatens that if Kane sets foot inside the arena tomorrow night, he will have his orderlies there with a straitjacket to lock Kane up forever and ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's. Does he have orderlies on like speed dial or he's got them from orderlies on orderlies number one? To go. He's got druids on number two. Probably the other way around, I guess, honestly. Probably the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And he's got catering Dude, on remember number Remember like, when you used to have speed dial on your phone and you used to... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I was going to say when you used to have speed dial and you used to change like who was on your speed dial based on your friends and stuff. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back in these times in 1998 in middle school. So, um, yeah, so apparently he has his uh, – he has these straight jacket papers in his hand with him showing uh, Kane that he's going to, you know – Wave this in front of him and say, "Don't step, don't step foot on in Monday Night Raw, or we'll send you packing." So, we just thought the embalming was out of control. Let's, which it was. <laughs> let's get to something else. Oh God, we still uh, got one more episode of Raw here, November thirtieth, nineteen ninety-eight. I guess you could call this the go home for Capital Carnage, yeah. although they don't, you know, spend any time really at all building it up. 
too much, uh, considering it's a UK-only pay-per-view, but it is going to sort of play a part in there. Uh, and uh, The show does open up with sort of a cold open, sort of like we saw back at around SummerSlam time a few weeks in a row, with Undertaker and Paul Bearer talking backstage, and you know they're talking about something evil, even though we can't hear them, because Undertaker gives a giant throat slash to Paul Bearer, saying, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, bad things are in store here. The only thing that could be villainous, is that a word? Villainous? Yeah. Villainish? I don't know what the word is. Anyway, as if um he was sitting there like petting a cat, you know, like some evil villain or <laughs> from like uh, Dr. Claw, or uh, what's the guys from Austin Powers? He petted a cat too, didn't Dr. He? Evil. Dr. Evil, yeah, excuse me, yeah. Dr. Claw and Dr. Evil, if he was Dr. Taker here, he'd have been petting a cat. So, yeah, you know it's it's going to get evil tonight because he's got the throat slash and the whole head nod. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's going down. So, <laughs> But then this Raw like, actually opens with probably um, one of the like least her- heralded Stone Cold Steve Austin Attitude Era moments. It's a head, definitely a hidden gem. But it's up there for me definitely with the Zamboni – and the beer bash and all that stuff because here he comes out and uh, you got ICP and the headbangers coming out to the ring and Austin comes with a shovel in his hand he just comes straight out stuns three fourths of them throws them out of the ring and gets rid of them and that's probably <laughs> that's up there with the Zamboni <laughs> for me man I was just I was so excited to get those turds out of the ring <laughs> just get on with the show nobody cared. <laughs> Long overdue beatdown for those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he gets on the mic and says he's not going to wait to rock bottom. He says he'll knock Taker with a shovel before this night is over. So. And that, you know, there's going to be more threads on this show all night long. And it really, this episode, you know, I think last week's episode was really some almost the most cartoony Raw has ever felt or uh, as much as we've covered it. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, you, you could say the early '90s stuff was more cartoony, but you know, some of the stuff last week was was goofy and silly. This one, uh, I thought this whole episode of Raw feels the most like a soap opera that Raw has ever felt because there it's like 75% stuff that takes place out of the ring because not yeah. only are we gonna get like a dozen segments with Austin, Undertaker, Paul Bearer, and Kane all throughout the show. We're also going to get like a dozen segments with Mark Henry on a date with China, <laughs> oh, yeah. D'Lo Brown as their chauffeur. And, you know, those segments are hilarious and great. I'm not criticizing them, but it just shows you how much things have changed here. Like, I, I, I can't imagine, imagine being at this show because almost nothing happens live inside the arena. There's so much stuff on tape. Yeah, and I think this was uh, – I think I looked it up the other day, and I think this was in, what I say, Baltimore maybe? So – Typically a WCW town, so you, th- you think that was, that's, they always had uh, what was that Great American Bash up there? I think. Yeah, so, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so maybe that was their little dig at WCW because yeah, if you were in the audience this night, you didn't get much, you know, like as far as in ring product, but you got a lot. It's really cool for those of us watching at home. Was I remember this night specifically, but it's funny because what stood out to me in my memory from this episode of Raw was all the Mark Henry and China stuff. I yeah. didn't remember this Austin Taker orderlies storming the castle stuff here we're gonna get to. So yeah, it's just funny what you you know your mind remembers. So um but we do get a really neat <clears throat> talking point with a graphic of Stone Cold and Undertaker on the cover of T V Guide. 
which uh, on this episode, he, we, I, JR's talking about, you know, go and pick up your episode, or episode, go pick up your, you know, issue of Stone Cold and Undertaker on the cover of TV Guide, which, did you say you have these? Yeah, I think I have all four of these with Stone Cold, Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, and Goldberg. Uh, you know, we subscribed to TV Guide, and I had a collection there, uh, some of my favorite ones, and I definitely, I made sure I went out and got all four of these copies on there, and it's pretty cool because... We forget about it now, but I think back then TV Guide actually was the largest magazine publication in the entire world. It had the like largest, circulated? Yeah, oh, wow. largest circulation in the entire world. And you just think about going to the grocery store when you go check yep. out. It used to be right there. You see the TV Guide uh, front and center right there. So to have wrestlers on there in the first place and the fact that it's Stone Cold and The Undertaker, again, yeah. Showing you the power and the importance and the legacy of the Undertaker to have that sort of mainstream star power for you know I'm sure TV guy chose who they wanted on there. Oh, for sure. And speaking of taking a dig at WCW, <clears throat> Jr. goes ahead and does that himself here. He says, you know, in case these two are sold out, why don't you go pick up one of the recent retiree Hulk Hogan or the Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> wannabe Goldberg. So he's firing shots, you know. He's not Absolutely. firing blanks here. He's got a loaded gun. He's blowing up WCW with. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, let's talk about the soap opera here. We're going to get something cool. Neat well, little Easter egg. Yeah, another cool moment here on this episode of Raw. We see the debut. We've seen Shane McMahon become a big part of the show over the past couple months. And now, in a random backstage segment, we're going to see Stephanie McMahon debut. Not mentioned, not identified, but Austin is searching backstage for The Undertaker. He's going around looking for him, and he asks a young Stephanie McMahon if she's seen him, and she says no, and he keeps on searching. So, a small, insignificant, seemingly debut for, obviously, one of the most significant characters of the past 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird how that happens. It's so just, you know, just blah, it's just like random. It's just there, and then we've seen what she's become. So, and again, in there, and you know, kayfabe wise, what what Austin and Stephanie are going to have come up in a few months here. It's kind of funny how that, you know, uh, how it all starts here. here. Yeah. Yep. Just a simple backstage pass. So, anyway, yeah, Austin's continuing to search for Undertaker backstage, and he decides, you know, I'm looking for a dead man. I'm gonna go where they keep the dead bodies. I'm going to the walk-in freezers. As so, you would. As, as, as one Bal- does. Everyone knows the arena at Baltimore is going to have tons, what tons of dead bodies freezer. What is he doing? So, <laughs> no idea. Why did he... Well, I guess, you know, Cash had defeated or blown up uh, Undertaker's, you know, sleeping quarters with the casket. So maybe he uh, thought he was yeah. just taking a nap. You know, Maybe so. Nice ice nap back there. Well, unfortunately... That plot turns cold, and he goes into one of the freezers, gets shoved in there by the Undertaker, who sneaks attack him, and I guess attempts to murder him again, maybe, by locking him <laughs> in the freezer to, to freeze him to death, maybe. Um, and that's going to lead to Undertaker coming out to the arena, since he's already locked Stone Cold away, and now he's got bigger fish to fry. He's going to move on to taking care of Kane. So um, Undertaker says that as the ministry grows stronger, my plague of evil grows stronger. There's only two things that stand in my way. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who I'm going to keep on ice until rock bottom. Uh, Great pun right there. Yeah. (laughs) And Kane. So he calls Kane out 
And in another slip of the tongue here, I guess, says, when this night ends, one of, well, not a slip of the tongue here, just a weird saying. Uh, when this night ends, one of us will face the future and one of us will face eternal darkness. Yeah, what does that even mean? I have no idea. <laughs> one of us will face the future and one will face eternal they're, it, it, yeah, I don't, never mind. I can't <laughs> you even don't break even that try down. to explain it. Yeah. yeah, it's like when Bray Wyatt first debuted, and you had no idea what he said, but it was cool. This was the opposite of that. I had no idea what he said, but it wasn't cool. So, um, yeah, Taker's his his um, we're not trying to bash, but like his promos are getting kind of strange right now. You know, they're trying. It's almost like they're trying too hard with this evil darkness stuff. You know, like it used to be less is more with him, but now he's talking so much. And um, I don't know. It's just kind of like he's twisting around and everything. Doesn't really make yeah. sense. Not quite clear cut. So again, we'll see. It'll, it'll get it'll get better. But um, yeah, I just wrote huh in my notes because it's like <laughs> what what just happened. So, but of course, when you poke the bear, you try to fry the fish. Here he comes. The fish is going to come out. Do you think? Do you think he had that as a as a pun? But we got bigger fish to fry. I thought his burned charred oh, brother came. Oh, <laughs> maybe so. That's yeah, harsh, maybe dude. so. I, it is so. Kane's music hits and he comes out and again remember what Paul Bearer said last night on Heat, you know if he shows up in the arena he's gonna speed dial two, you know call the orderlies. So the men in white so. and they come <laughs> running out with a straight jacket trying to take out Kane and take him to the asylum. Kane beats them away and runs out through the crowd instead. And yeah, I don't they got have straight much jackets, about that. batons. All kind of stuff. It's out of control. And I'll, yeah, it's ridiculous. It is. All right. So, meanwhile, backstage, we get some more um, view of this freezer that Austin was locked in. I want to say was because now it's open. And uh, JR's like, Where's Austin? This means trouble. So, again, no subtlety there. Yeah, Let's thanks, just, JR. They could have just shown it, honestly. They could have just shown it and let it sink in. And then, yeah, they didn't need any words over that. But, that's hindsight, but anyway. And then a little bit later, we get a split screen of Austin searching for Taker and Bear, and then Taker and Bear with the orderlies looking for Kane. So they got these men in white behind them looking for Kane. Yes. In all the wrong places. Looking in all the wrong places, but the right place apparently is going to be backstage <laughs> in some sort of banquet hall. Looks like an old, dark, abandoned church fellowship hall if you went to a Baptist <laughs> like, church here in the South. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's where Kane and Taker are going to meet in the middle and brawl. Uh, Taker whacks Kane in the head with a steel chair and knocks him knocks him dead, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so Paul Bear and Taker pull out the old body bag, which I mentioned a little while ago, dusted yes. that out out of nowhere. And they zip Kane up in that, tell the orderlies. Uh, Undertaker tells Paul Bear to grab the orderlies and says he's got this. So as Paul Bear waddles away, Stone Cold sneaks up from behind and returns the favor with a little receipt of a shovel shot here, breaks a shovel over Undertaker's head, and yeah, this episode of Monday Night Raw is brought to you by the letters C, T, and E. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. I'm so pretty sure that was, a, that was a shoot he broke it over his head with. I mean, because you see later on, it actually hit him. We'll see, as we talk about... Um, the next match is he has a has a goose egg on his head, you know, above his eye. So, um, yeah, Austin sneaks up, breaks that shovel over Taker's head, and um, 
like I said, we Taker had sent Paul Bearer away to get the orderlies. And so later on, we see that um, Paul Bearer finds them and he says, go get that idiot. And talking about, you know, Kane. Again, this is twice he's called his son an idiot. So, um, And I just want to know where they got these jabronis from, man. These guys, and it looks like it looks like the scene from Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon one. I don't remember about the live action, but where they're storming the castle and they have like pitchforks <laughs> and candlesticks and and just tree limbs and they, like, these guys are just carrying it's like a cartoon they could have had some oh, of yeah. that like um laurel and hardy music or whatever it's called and playing in the background and had them like walking across the screen and coming back and forth like scooby-doo almost it would have been just as cartoony but yeah they got uh, benny hill like this benny hill hey thank you i was about to say um, winston churchill i was like that's not that's right. fine too that's fine <laughs> that's fine he fits sure. Sure. yeah yeah what did he ever do? I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, so yeah, they're going to go storm the castle and find find Kane here. Well, Barra checks the body bag and sees Kane's mask besides it, so it, obviously it must be Kane inside the body bag. Uh, so Barra tells the orderlies to put the body bag on a stretcher, or strap it down, and Paul Bear is so excited that his son is being taken to an insane asylum, <laughs> yeah. waving away at it, saying, Bye, son! but of course we see a tv screen it's about the size of an ipad mini backstage uh, showing you how far technology has come that stone cold and kane are watching together as their plan has paid off and we see that they're okay and that uh, must be the undertaker inside that body bag yeah exactly which made me think twice like i wonder if that chair shot from you know that Kane got leveled with was was he I guess he was just selling it he was in on part of this plan with Austin I guess who knows were they in collusion before this all transpired or did this just happen to work out for them as a coincidence and here they are you know but it's weird to see Austin like pat Kane on the back and like move off again they're watching that little tiny iPad mini <laughs> it's, it's, it's the smallest thing I've ever seen it's so bad Looks like one of those portable TV screens you know, like my granddad used to have oh. when we'd go to like the beach and he'd carry it with him. There's like a nine foot antenna on it. I used to have one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so did my granddad. That thing was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but anyway, that's so, again, not a lot of wrestling on this show, but after the main event, which I don't even, nobody remembers what the main event was, no, but after that, we get the, yeah, we get the, the the cap to all this story here and this the final build up to Capital Carnage again this is really building the rock bottom but it does build into Capital Carnage too so um, we get Paul Bear sees it the freezer is open and he's backstage backstage yelling for Taker and he says Kane is gone which I think he meant to say Austin is gone so little little flub there but he's like Austin he should be saying Austin is gone and then the freezer door opens of course Kane is in there. <laughs> And Kane and Austin bring Bear to the ring. They kind of <clears throat> attack him and take him by the arm and I think by the uh, necktie, I believe, and bring him. Yeah, bring him. And he's they bring him to the ring and he's just man. He is in oversell mode, but like in a good way. He has got his acting chops on. He is awesome here, just begging off. And yeah, I'll let you take it from here. So I mean, it's another Emmy award winning performance from Paul Bear as he's. Begging for his life. He's blaming everything on Undertaker to trying to put things off on him to Kane and Austin. And Austin kind of recaps everything that went on uh, the past few weeks. And Austin is just loving it, loving torturing Paul Bear. He asks the crowd, If you want to see Kane 
Beat the living hell out of Paul Bear. Give me a hell yeah. And uh, ask Kane, hey, you know you, that thing you do with the gas can all the time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Threatening to burn Paul Bear alive. Right. Of course, more attempted murder. And uh, speaking of attempted murder, uh, Ray Lewis from the Baltimore Ravens is in the audience for oh. this episode of Raw. <laughs> Fun fact there for you. Oh, uh, man. And then Austin yes. pulls out uh, a pair of scissors. Uh, the, so he's going to reenact what happened last week with the uh, embalming table, and that makes Paul Bear pass out and faint, <laughs> which is yeah. just hilarious selling from him. It's great, man. And then he starts throwing Undertaker under the bus. He's like, it was Undertaker's idea. It was his idea. It wasn't mine. It was his. So very reminiscent of what we've seen recently on actual WWE programming with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, honestly. Oh, yeah. So something about Paul and Paul. But uh, anyway, um, just thought I'd throw that in there for you. But, uh, yeah, Bear is just great here. And he it's funny because at this point when Austin's cutting his clothes off of him or going to cut his shirt off and his tie and whatever – he grabs Kane and he's like, help me, son, help me. Jesus, take me home. <laughs> he's going to kill me. It's so good, man. Yeah, oh, you know, you so bring good. up Paul Heyman and yeah, Paul Heyman's amazing, obviously. Uh, but <laughs> dude, I'm starting to maybe think maybe Paul Bear, maybe even a even a better performer than Paul Heyman was. and Or Paul Heyman is. I don't know, dude. These past few weeks and his performance, his acting, his selling, it's just been Incredible, and I, I think I underrated Paul Bear. I think I've said that before on here, um, yeah, before we too. dove into this podcast. And he he is right up there with Bobby Heenan and Paul Heyman, definitely in the conversation for top three managers of all time, maybe even for the best. Oh yeah, I'd say it. I'd say it's Heyman. I mean, excuse me, Heenan, and then you got Heyman and Bear there again, just based off what we've. Have a new appreciation for his stuff. I mean, yeah, Captain Lou Albano and stuff like that. And too Cornette's well, right up there. And Cornette too. But I just, man, Bear is just—he's the icing on the cake for God, all this stuff, man. It's so good. It's so good. And like, it's just like you said, he just kind of goes under the radar. You don't really think about it when you think back to this era. But when we're we're just focusing solely on it, it's under a microscope for us, so we get to see it, you know, live and live in color. So it's great, man. And he's so, about to go under street level here too, and just yeah, yes, he is. So, yeah, Austin says he's got an even better idea than stabbing him and lighting him on fire. So he and Kane walk Paul Bear out to a manhole cover outside in Baltimore, Maryland. Kane uses some kind of thing to pull off the manhole cover and lifts it up. And Austin and Kane throw Bear face first down the sewer. Unbelievable. (laughs) With, like, people watching. like You can see people running out of the arena outside because this is a live shot. It's not a pre-tape. So I don't know they... how they gimmicked that. Uh, I don't know how Paul Bear fit, for one thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was they incredible. Pad under there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he went ahead first into the sewer. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, I bounce off the, the like, uh, ladder on the way down. I have no idea. So, <laughs> But, you know, it, it honestly, it makes sense to me. The, all of this going on, it does seem a little over the top, a little bit crazy. But you know, Austin was nearly murdered last week True. by these guys, <laughs> so it makes sense that he's going to be going for this sort of sadistic, crazy revenge. Uh, a lot more so than all the the gun stuff that we covered last week. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, that stuff I didn't buy in as much with Austin. You know, obviously he wasn't attempting to murder Vince McMahon in the end, but it was a little over the top for me. Uh, you know, 
I'm fine with him, you know, smashing Vince's cars and doing all that sort of stuff, but threatening his life is another story. But this stuff, his life was already threatened, so it doesn't right. make sense for him to torture Paul Bear and, and Undertaker in such an extreme way. Yeah, and like I mentioned a few weeks ago, I mean, I'm, Russo said plainly all the time, like, they would just get in the, the, the head of the character. What would Steve Austin do? Like you said, he's been attempted to be murdered. He's going to attempt to murder. Like, you know, that's what that's kind of their their um, um, main thing here is getting in these these characters minds. And, you know, it doesn't matter face or heel. They're going to do this stuff as the character would react like a, like a real person. So, yeah. But um, one thing, man, I wish we could have gotten on this actual episode of Raw is the extra attitude section, man. It is some of the best extra 10 minutes of raw i've ever seen in my entire life dude it is we encourage all of you go watch this episode of raw for this a this undertaker stone cold stuff and then b watch the extra attitude at the end oh yeah it is the best you could fast forward just to the ending segment of the show and then the extra attitude here it's has nothing to do with undertaker but it's nope 15 minutes of Stone Cold Steve Austin handing out stunners to Shane McMahon and The Rock. And both of those guys, those are probably the two best guys to ever sell a stunner in the first place. And they're just in oversell mode, flipping, bouncing off the ropes. Uh, They just keep getting up. Stone Cold keeps drinking beer. It's it's the best. And there's no commentary. There's no commentary. They're they're not on the mic. It's just hilarious. It's great. So yeah, go watch that, and that's that leads us into Capital Carnage. You know, there's an episode of Heat the next week, but it actually shows in the states the same night as Capital Carnage. So we're gonna save that for the build up to Rock Bottom. Yeah, um, and it plays more into that. But this was, you know, this is hitting into the pay per view here. We're building into this match. I don't know if we've even said what it is. It's no, <laughs> we've been saying what yeah. the match is. It's, it's a fatal four way with the Undertaker taking on. Mankind, Kane, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So a little bit of a throwback to our summer storyline, summer of 1998, how those guys all were interweaved with each other. They've broken off a bit since then. Mankind's kind of gone in a different direction with The Rock the past few weeks, but he's going to get dragged back into things with these three guys for this match. And it was scheduled to have the big boss man as a special guest referee, but that's going to change throughout the course of this show. Uh, it took place on December 6th, 1998, London Arena in London, England. Um, and JR and King are going to be on commentary here, and unfortunately, it's not going to be the best night for good old JR. Yeah, it's not. Doing a little research for this um, episode, I, and taking a serious note here, we um, found out from JR's website, it was a blog a long time ago, and I think I remember him talking about it on his podcast as well, that this is the night... He found out his mom died prior to this show, so he got a call from his now, you know, his his wife Jan, who's now since passed on as well. She called him and uh, told him his mom passed away, and Jr.'s only child, so Vince told him, "I'll fly you back home. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it." But he said, "No, my mom loved the business. She supported me. She want me to do this. I'm already here." So he um he dealt with that and and called this show, and you'd have no idea, and um. To top that off, in addition to finding out his mother passed away, he also came down with a second bout of Bell's palsy on the air during this show. I mean, incredible. It is, especially because you can't even tell. And, no. And, you know, from what I understand about Bell's palsy, it's pretty similar to having a stroke. And where yeah. Especially 
where half your face or, or more than half, I don't know how much, but your face goes, it becomes paralyzed. Yeah. And it's crazy to hear that because JR is like at the top of his game on, on this. Some of my favorite <laughs> yeah. stuff during this match is JR and yeah. King and Vince McMahon, who we'll get to all on commentary here. It's incredible. I don't know when it happened, but you can't tell a bit. And that is just amazing. It, it just goes to show JR's uh, over the top professionalism and his yeah. abilities and skills. Uh, just unbelievable. Can't put him over enough for going through that, suffering through that, and still putting on the performance on commentary that he put on. Yeah, absolutely, man. So kudos to him. It's, it's really cool that he was able to pull through all that negative you know, stuff in his life and, 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 and call this show like he did. It's great. Like I said, you'd have no idea watching it. Um, but so this show is going to open up using, you know, kind of recapping the recent happenings between Austin and Taker. Again, you've already mentioned what the main event is. Bossman's supposed to be the guest referee, but um, – there's a little bit of stuff backstage. We don't need to go into too much detail, but I do want to mention one thing here. As Mankind tells us, he get, he tells us a little promo. He says, there are three things you should not expect during this matchup. Uh, disqualifications, uh, countouts, or friendships. Because he says that, you know, Austin was a tag partner and he stunned him. Kane was a tag partner and he hit him with a sledgehammer. And Taker and he had never been good friends. So I thought it was a really, really good promo from Mankind. And it makes sense for what we're going to see it later does. on during it's the good match. good foreshadowing so. here. Yeah. Uh, we get promos from pretty much everybody except for Kane, I think, cuts some promo here. Yeah. Stone Cold has one. Undertaker and Paul Bearer have one, where Undertaker also promises to make a sacrifice out of Austin. So a bit of foreshadowing, something we're going to yeah. get to on our next episode, unfortunately. And uh, <laughs> the McMahons all come out, uh, along with the Stooges, uh, cut a long promo here, and... Boy, Shane McMahon cuts a promo about our special guest star for the evening, none other than soccer and screen star Vinny Jones, who we'll get to here in just a second. And he's going into all this stuff, basically insinuating that Vinny Jones is George Michael's secret lover. And yeah. it has not aged well in 2018. <laughs> it is no. awkward at best. It makes me feel awkward, too, knowing Pat Patterson's like, shoot life you know too like how is he okay with that that kind of stuff wow yeah and uh and louis you know his his longtime you know boyfriend had passed away like back at king of the ring so yeah weird man like (laughs) i didn't think about that until you just mentioned it yeah yeah it's extra weird but um yeah man we got vinnie jones in the house tonight man capital carnage Vinny Jones, which hasn't aged, you know, he looks the same '98 as he does now. So yeah, um, I mean, but he's fresh off of I think this is Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke and Barrels, and Snatch. I don't know, if, I guess Snatch had already come out too. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, that's where um, you know most people would know him from, or the Juggernaut from X Men. Well, nowadays, three. yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know a million other things. Tough British guy, uh, you'd know him if you saw him. If you don't recognize that name. Yeah, but dude, he is as over as Stone Cold Steve oh Austin at this God. night. <laughs> it's out of control. It's incredible. Yeah. It, it'd be like if you had Gronk coming out in New England like yeah. nowadays. Uh, same kind of personality, probably be the same amount of over uh, as yeah. this. That's the best thing I could think of comparing it to. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. How did he not end up in wrestling full time? Vinny Jones, Jones? fit right in, dude. He should have slipped into Nathan Jones' spot a few years later. Oh, easily. <laughs> the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, man, I have no idea how he did not want it. He could probably come back and do it. Yeah, he's only uh, he's in his fifties. He can do it. Yeah, sure, He'll be all right. I think Batista. he's been on like 
think he's been on episodes of Arrow and stuff, if I'm not mistaken. So he's got, and I know Cody Rhodes has been on there too. So he's got a little WWF. Got a little connection. Uh, little connection there. So, and Stephen Amell loves, uh, does love the WWF. So anyway, well, I digress. But um, yeah, Vin, Vinny Jones is there, and he's going to be ringside for the Fatal Four Way. He says, and and I just want to mention here, I've never seen this show, this whole show. Um, You've seen two things that happened on it. <laughs> just yeah. So those of you might remember this from your childhood. I remember something that happened here. I knew it was this show, but I've never seen this main event. That's for sure. But um, didn't you say you had rented this? I think I VHS? did. I think I did uh, mainly to see uh, Jacqueline's enhancement talents uh, <laughs> on on VHS and on Tim White's shoulders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, it was not edited out on the VHS version. Uh, I could be mistaken. Maybe I'm confusing that with searching for it on the internet, but. Uh, <laughs> I could swear I saw it unedited on the VHS and rewound it a couple times. No, it probably probably wasn't. So yeah, on the network it is, thank God. But um, yeah, yeah, that was '98, and those were different times. They were. So and anyway, yeah, that's going to lead us here to this this main event, this Fatal Four Way, and that is where uh, <laughs> Jr. and King toss it to Sir Anthony Chimmel in the <laughs> ring, who gives that intro that I used at the beginning of the show, he gives it for Shane McMahon. So if you're wondering yes. where that came from, it's right there. It's hilarious on there. And this whole story of this is when Shane McMahon comes out, uh, we're kind of going to mirror the story from Over the Edge, 1998. Uh, Shane McMahon is going to give these ridiculous, over-the-top uh, introductions for Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, and Vincent Mann, and the Big Boss Man as well. And he's going to let us know that Pat Patterson is going to be the guest timekeeper. Gerald Briscoe is going to take over now as the guest referee. Vincent Mann is going to be guest commentator. And Boss Man is going to be special guest ringside enforcer for this match. Yes. So, yeah, like you said, going back to, what was it, Over the Edge, 98, yeah, 98 right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, classic, great match. We, we mentioned that. Uh, we kind of both put that match over here on Talking Tanger. So, anyway, um, yeah, and then... And Sir Anthony Chimmel also brings out the living legend, Vinny Jones. So, um, which I, I would never have said those two words before his name, but oh, he's you also know what? the it uh, makes sense. The hardest of the hard men. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they say. The hardest of the hard men, Vinny Jones. So I guess William Regal was a man's man. They should have had. They could have had something there. He wasn't a, a hard man. Off. Exactly, he wasn't. So, uh, and then Vince McMahon at this point joins commentary, and it is just so freaking nice to have him back, man. Oh I don't my care if he's God. playing a character. It's so good to have him on commentary. I didn't realize how much I missed him until he came back. He just <laughs> slipped right back into it, dude. Yeah, he was perfect. Yeah. He was over the top. He's incredible here, and he, uh, right off the bat, because Vinny Jones gets in a shoving match with Big Boss Man, and in a great spot. Uh, he gets a red card from Gerald Briscoe, the special referee. He pulls a red card out of his pocket, soccer style, and ejects Vinny Jones from the ring, which gets huge heat. Uh, dude, the it whole does. camera is just shaking all throughout this Vinny Jones segment, throughout the whole match. The crowd heat uh, was off the charts, for, especially for Vinny Jones and Stone Cold Steve Austin. The crowd was unbelievably hot uh, for those two guys. Uh, Vince McMahon yeah, and, is, is having a great time saying, you know, we, we need to have this red card gimmick some uh, more in our shows. So I like the idea. Of this. Yeah, that would be great. But um, and I must come clean here. I on our last episode, I um, I wasn't crapping on this match, but I was not really putting it over as much. And I guess 
it may have had to do with the fact that when I was watching it to take notes for our show here, I was really early, late, late at night slash early in the morning after long days of work. So, but after we revisited it and I've been talking about it, I really do enjoy this. And yeah, the crowd is good. There's one point in the match where I'll mention later. I don't really feel that they're into it as much, but for the most part, again, it's a European crowd. It's UK crowd. They're into everything. Like you said, the hard cam is shaking. The only time we've ever really seen that on Talking Taker here would have been Canadian Stampede 97. So I remember mentioning that. So, yeah, this is a good atmosphere. It's really fun. It's not the crazy crowds you see at, you know, when NXT goes over there or, you know, whatever, like you see on YouTube. But it's it's still good stuff. Or when, you know, all those Europeans come over to WrestleMania. So it's not the same exact thing, but it's really, really cool to see. And I've completely changed my mind about this match. So Well, um, and you can tell the guys are all having fun out there, too. Exactly. They're loose. That too. It, it feels like a house show main yes. event. Uh, they're having fun. There's a lot of really fun spots in this. I had a blast watching this, man. I, I honestly, I think this was my favorite match we've watched since Royal Rumble '98, since that casket match. And if you haven't seen it out there in a while, listeners, I heartily recommend watching this match, uh, especially start all the all the stuff with Vinnie Jones. Uh, it's just fun, <laughs> yeah. dude. It, it's fun Attitude Era stuff, and feels like a lost. Attitude Era match that you're getting to discover yeah. for the first time, uh, especially if you've never seen it or, or haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, so, right. yeah, let's jump. Let's uh, talk about it a little bit yeah. about what happens here. Because uh, Mankind and Kane, remember, it's Fatal 4-Way here, but Mankind and Kane are going to make their interests first, and the bell's going to ring. Yeah, go figure. That makes no sense. <laughs> bell rings and they start slugging away at each other, so... I have no idea what happened there. I mean, come on. I guess it's Briscoe, so uh, maybe or Pat Patterson. You know, maybe they're yeah, they're a little bit rough on their game here. They're not used to the rules, so I guess we'll give them a pass there. But um, anyway, and then the the Taker's music hits and the lights go down, and Mankind and Kane are just fighting. And I can only imagine they just stopped. I have no idea if they stopped. Yeah, I don't know. Kept going. So. Um, yeah, anyway. That was awkward. That- and then another awkward thing here is that one minute as Undertaker's coming out, Jim Ross calls Undertaker the conscience of the WWF. Right. And then Vince McMahon says something. And then JR says, The Undertaker, the most evil and sadistic individual in the WWF. <laughs> Can't remember yeah. which one he's supposed to be. Well, yeah. And, and now, in hindsight, we know what's going on in his head right there. So I guess he's not in the best, but yeah, it does. It is weird to hear him say that. And within the same two sentences of each other. So it's weird, but Vince, Vince hopes to undertake. My God, he's come to take some souls tonight. I tell you, he's come to take some souls tonight. I guess he's been playing Mortal Kombat. Want some Shane Sean? Your soul is mine, type of stuff here. So, anyway, but uh, yeah, Taker comes in the ring, and Mankind is kind of sandwiched in between the brothers. And in a funny spot here, Kane just shoves Mankind into Taker, and Taker choke slams him and just sandbags him out of the ring. And Kane and Taker start punching at each other and battling. So, until Kane gets thrown over the top rope. So, and that's going to bring out Stone Cold Steve Austin. The glass is going to shatter. He's going to strut out there, and Undertaker meets him right in the aisle, and these four guys are going to go at it, all four of them kind of fighting in the aisle. There's, uh, you know, 
JR says it's not a very scientific match. Uh, very, very, <laughs> yeah. very, very unscientific. He exactly. calls it, uh, and it is. You know, it's a not a lot of moves, a lot of fighting, a lot of brawling. It's not at the same level as the final four match that we covered from 1997, but it did remind me of that. Uh, whereas all the, I mean, it is solid action all the way through. Uh, all four guys are going to pair off and and do different stuff throughout the match so I sort of had that vibe in there to me although not quite at the same level but they're gonna everybody's gonna fight around the ring uh before Taker and Austin uh sort of pair off in the ring yeah at this point in the match I was writing down in my notes so it's funny that Austin still has his vest on and as I'm writing that down in my notes he takes it off and starts choking Undertaker with it so I guess he heard me (laughs) 20 years ago so anyway you can back to the future and Prove me wrong. So anyway, and Taker kind of comes on a comeback with a jump and dive and clothesline, hits a big leg drop. Um, he's choking Austin on the rope, and Bear hits uh, hits him on. I think is this where is this where he uses the loafer? Yeah, the loaded loafer shot. So Bear starts hitting <laughs> well, Bear him with especially. the loaded. Yeah, <laughs> this one move. He hits the well. Now that he's moved on from the urn, he's got the loafer. Yeah, so of course he got the loaded loafer and. Austin comes back with the Thez press, and then he goes for a cover, and in a great spot here, Joe Briscoe goes down to count, but he can't count the three because his knee pops. <laughs> <laughs> Just being uh, – Joe Briscoe's incredible as the heel referee. Here, yeah. <laughs> uh, doing everything he can to make sure Austin doesn't win. Vince McMahon is, again, beautiful on commentary. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yes, he's had a bad knee for so many years. Vince is just actively rooting for anybody but Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> yeah. to win the match. Uh, some more fun stuff as everybody goes outside the ring and we get like a microphone cable choking train. As, yes. uh, Undertaker chokes Mankind with the cable. Then Kane comes up behind Undertaker, starts choking him. Then Austin comes up behind Kane and starts choking him. And then Gerald Briscoe comes up behind Austin and starts <laughs> choking him as the referee. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. It was great, man. And then they all—they're done choking each other. Mankind uses the microphone to hit Taker and Kane in the head, um, and then Vince is like, "You should hit Austin. You should hit Austin." So again, like you said, he's rooting for anyone but Austin. And I'm pretty sure the mic was on when he. Popped. I remember yeah. hearing a loud pop when Big he hit pop. Taker and Kane in the head. So yeah, and those are expensive mics. So should have had him turned off first. Come on, Kevin Dunn. But <laughs> anyway. And, uh, you know, as you said here, uh, the crowd does kind of die out here for a little bit. Um, I think um, they start. I just, you hear lots of horns blowing. And, like, and I guess it's a soccer type thing. You know, you got that soccer chanting. But you hear a lot of Austin, Austin, Austin. Which, again, there's not a huge storyline. I mean, these guys have all been intertwined. There's not stakes on this match, really. But it's a fun, like you said, house show main event almost. But um, the crowd's chanting Austin. But I just... At this point in the match, I just felt like they weren't – it wasn't the U.K. crowd I'm used to nowadays. But, you know, uh, again, it doesn't mean anything – it's not a deterrent from watching this match or, any, or enjoying it at all. It's still really fun. So that was me being extra nitpicky. No, it's okay. Uh, but I, I loved – I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, but uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in here like yes. uh, Mankind at this point. He starts trying to befriend Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> try to form an alliance with him. Okay. Sort of going back to their days as a tag team, maybe a year ago, but yeah. Austin is just a jerk here and gives mankind the birds. I think maybe gives him a stunner here as well. Starts beating him up. 
Uh, so then Mankind, he's just looking for friends wherever he can find them, and he tries to align with Undertaker and Kane now that Stone Cold has abandoned him. Yeah, he yeah he gets the Manimal Claw on Austin, and then Taker trips him, and then, like you said, then he starts teaming up because the brothers are taking out Austin, and Mankind goes and pulls Socko out of his pants behind you know everybody's back, and he said he starts stomping Austin, and then he runs over and high fives Joe Briscoe. <laughs> almost like a game of too sweet with the with the Socko. So yeah. it was it was great, man. He's just he's having fun. Like you said, these guys are all having fun. It's just loose. It's not too serious, but it's just it's it was really fun. After the after that, it's where the uh, Kane Taker double clothesline Mankind yeah. and then cover Austin. They get no count, you know. Then a chair comes in the ring, and I guess. I think Taker brings it in. I can't remember, but then it looks like he and Kane are going to go for that spike tombstone they were doing over the summer. Um, but Mankind stops it again. He's trying to just – he doesn't know whose side he's on, but he brings a chair in and he just wallops Kane with it. And then Taker hits Mankind with chair and then covers him, but then Austin hits Taker with a chair. So now it's like dueling chairs. You know, yeah. we had the dueling choking cables earlier. Now we got the chair shots hurt, you know, every going around and around and around. So all over the place. <laughs> uh, Austin ends up finally hitting Kane with a stunner, a really cool sort of reversal as Kane's trying to choke slam him and Austin just knocks him, kicks him down low and uses that to set up for the stunner. St- for the stunner goes for a pin, but <laughs> in a great moment, Joe Briscoe uh, just turns around and asks Patterson for the match time. <laughs> And oh, so yeah. checking his watch and avoiding what's the Yeah, what's, what's the on, brother? <laughs> uh, and Austin uh. finally gets fed up, takes out Joe Briscoe, and that's going to allow Earl Hebner to come in and sort of take us home. Yeah, taking us home here. He, again, Hebner slides in, but Mankind saves this this count as Taker chokeslams Kane, um, and then then we're going to get Taker and Mankind battling outside, just beating each other up, and then Austin hits a stunner on Kane on the inside. Covers him for the pinfall at 16 minutes and 12 seconds. So, um, fun, you know, 16 minutes of fun uh, kind of goes by pretty quickly, in my opinion. Nothing really, it does. Um, aside from that really small window there, I, I, I kind of nitpicked. But other than that, everything is really, really just fun. You know, it's a fun house show. Like we mentioned earlier about house shows and how fun they are. This was, feels like that. And But a great part here is right after. Uh, the pinfall win. Briscoe just gets up and punches Hebner, and then Austin, <laughs> <laughs> and then Austin hits a Stone Cold Stunner on Briscoe, who basically takes it like a snapmare. He like falls even extra. He rotates even extra. <laughs> so oh, it's an incredible sell from Joe yeah. Briscoe. Uh, you know, I said Shane McMahon and The Rock sold it the best. Uh, this was not quite the best, but it was uh, hilarious to see. Um, and this well, is gonna, it definitely doesn't look choreographed. No, know? it does not. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is going to bring Big Boss Man back into the ring, and then Vinny Jones is going to return. Uh, you know, the red card kicked him out of the game, but he's going to exactly. come back after the game, and he's going to shove or, or kick Big Boss Man. I thought he was going to give him a stunner there for a second. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but Austin actually ends up hitting the stunner on Boss Man, and then... Earl Hebner, by God, is going to stomp and kick and flick off the big boss man and, and push him out of the ring, which leads us to the incredible scene closing the show of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Earl Hebner, and Vinnie Jones all standing up on the corners, chugging beer and celebrating to end this show to a raucous crowd uh, in and, London, England. 
And a raucous JR. He's oh, yeah. blowing a gasket of how wonderful all this is. He's Stone Cold Steve Austin's the greatest champion in the World Wrestling Federation. He's the greatest superstar of all time. He, I mean, he's going over and over. And again, let me just repeat what you just said. The show <laughs> ends with Steve Austin, Earl Hebner, and Vinny Jones celebrating with a beer bash on the on the, the you know the turnbuckles. So, did not think I'd ever say yeah. those words. I'm glad I have. I'm it glad was I got fun. to say that. <laughs> yeah, it it's fun. fun. Not really a highlight for Undertaker, honestly, no. but he's a part of the. He's a cog in the wheel here. But at least they use the continuity of the storylines, and they even mention it. One thing I, we we failed to mention earlier was that in Taker's backstage promo, he does mention that he never made it to the asylum when Austin sent him there in the old cane mask. So uh, I want to plant that seed there because I want to bring important. it up next week um, because I think he forgot. <laughs> so anyway. Or Vince forgets, I think. So anyway, yeah, um, they do at least continue that. But it was fun. It was a fun match, fun show. We we both highly recommend it. I would say so. Yeah, you know, I, I think I talked you into it on uh, on our lost episode. Yeah, uh, brought you, you did. over, converted you. Uh, again, like I said, it's just it's fun. It, it felt the most fun to me. Obviously, uh, can't I mean? Excuse me, Mankind, Undertaker, Hell in the Cell, the most memorable match we've covered all this year. Uh, to me, this was the most fun match we've covered. So definitely, if you've never seen it or if you really haven't seen it in a while, I think it's worth going out of your way to check out and kick back and, and just pretend you know it's just a lost Attitude Era classic with four of the top guys from that time um, at their peaks, having fun, being silly. It's just you know don't take it too seriously. Yeah, um, absolutely. But one Which thing I think that was my problem. I was taking too seriously at first to go around, okay. but I really is really really fun show, really fun match. So anyway, but you know, you guys always say if you were there, let us know. And honestly, having this lost episode helped us get some more feedback from you guys. So gave us a few extra days. So we appreciate that. But I wanted like to read something here. Um, give me this guy's name again. Uh, I don't have it. Yep. Hold on. This a is a uh, a bigger mark than Henry. I think is that what it was. Um, yeah, hold on. On Twitter, up. yeah, I'll go ahead and start telling us, telling what he said, and I'll let Alex fill us in on what your name is. I apologize for not having this queued up, but um, we we had a response, and he said, "Hey guys," um, and he puts us over. He you know, loves the show, and but he says that he came in a little bit late to hearing about Talking Taker, and he missed the SummerSlam '92 episode, so he couldn't give us his, his experiences when he was there, but. Um, but he was also at Capital Carnage, so you know, kudos to him for being at these shows. So, and he said that he could feel himself vibrating from the sound of the crowd. He'd never heard anything <laughs> as riotous as that, which I just think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, what a you don't get that nowadays, and definitely not in the states. You know, those English crowds are just on another level. It's just fun. So, um, and he says that every match got huge reactions, and he never forget that. And the Taker was his guy from the time he defeated Hogan. He said he was a little Hulkster. But when he soundly defeated Hulk Hogan, uh, he just magnetically became a creature of the night. So, you know, that makes sense. And we talked it about does. that back on, you know, episode, what was that, episode three, maybe? Or four? Yeah. When we, uh, yeah, um, about, you know, Hulkster losing to, to him. And, uh, yeah, he just instantly made uh, a bigger mark than Henry here um, uh, a fan. So uh, he, c- he couldn't wait to experience the entrance. And uh, yeah. he was overjoyed. Um, and it was just absolutely unbelievable, he says. And he didn't get to win that night, but uh, he says the experience 
was truly wasn't truly given justice on TV, but it's just something he can't ever forget, and um, looks forward to hearing talking Taker for the next fifteen years. So, wow, <laughs> that's a long time. So we, uh, who knows if Taker keeps going, we might have we might take us fifteen years to cover his whole career. So. We might. You know, that is at D-G-N-R-8-E-S-Q on Twitter, at Degenerate Esquire, if you will. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, his Twitter handle and his name on there is I'm a bigger mark than Henry, which is there fantastic. Is. Dude, yeah. thanks so much for listening to us and for sharing that story. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about the dead man. That's why this is so relevant. That's why he's been around for... 28 years now in the WWE. Uh, who knows if he's going to try to stretch it in 30, uh, 30 decade or 30 years of destruction? Uh, we'll see. You know, he's not that yeah. far away from it. We know he's got uh, at least one more match coming down the pipe here soon, and uh, I'm sure he'll be down WrestleMania. under. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see him at WrestleMania 35. And at that point, why not go for 30 years in the company? Who knows? Exactly. We'll see what happens. So. It's not quite what we expected, but we're excited to talk about it. Uh, we thank all of you guys for shouting us out, for uh, for listening, for letting us know your comments, your feedback. Uh, shout out to uh, let's see, Occupy Pro Wrestling at Power to the Smarts, uh, saying he's going to give this episode a listen because, as uh, as Vinnie Jones and the uh, Attitude Era podcast will point out, it's going to be emotional. As he said in his really strange <laughs> promo. And then uh, shout out to... Um, yeah. Oh, at Aaron Tavis, uh, who told us not to forget something that happened with Jackie. Yeah. We did not forget Oops. it. Never will in our lives. Uh, so just a shout out to all of our, our fans and listeners out there. At Jeremy J. Bagley, who put a cool little graphic up for us for our one-year anniversary episode. Thank you so much for that. And for another one, uh, at Bobby DGAAF, who keeps listening to us and shouting us out, at Sam Valenti, who's been shouting us out and supporting us, following us along. It's been awesome, all you people of the night out there. The, uh, the Downturn Podcast, uh, the Best Wrestling Podcast, all you guys. Thanks yeah, so Cavante Smalls. Listening. Yes, 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 of course. And uh, just real quick, you know, we talked about him briefly on one of our episodes. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, uh, we covered his match with the Undertaker on the He Buries Them Alive episode. And unfortunately, that's uh, sadly timely. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart passed away earlier this week. Just another one too early before his time going away. And he's incredible as a member of the Heart Foundation. And I've long been hoping that the Hart Foundation as a whole might get inducted into the Hall of Fame. That way can cover Pillman and Bulldog and Nightheart and, and Owen. Owen, of course. Uh, so maybe one day down the line that will happen. But uh, you know, big, uh, big rest in peace to uh, the Anvil and uh, yeah. prayers and thoughts for awesome events. And Natty, yeah, and he was also in the in the ring when Undertaker made his debut at Survivor Series '90. So really cool. That was that eight-man Survivor Series match, and um, yeah, he was across the ring from Taker that night. So really cool. He he plays a part in Taker's history here, and it's really neat. And um, yeah, you know that's enough said about that. But um, yeah, I we will just hope his family is okay. And uh, it's weird that Bret Hart's the only Survivor member of the Hart Foundation. Yeah, that's a daggum shame. So. 
I will stroke my beard in the Anvil's memory tonight. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he never shaved that beard like he was supposed to after, no. uh, what was that, that SummerSlam? SummerSlam 97, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he never did. Oh, man. So. Oh, well, hard. we're going to come back next Friday with In Your House, Rock Bottom, covering a Buried Alive match between The Undertaker and The the Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Almost forgot who it was. It's, of course, going <laughs> to close out in 1998 for us. It's been an incredible run for The Undertaker in 1998, his biggest year yet, his most matches yet in a single year, I believe. And uh, we'll, of course, cover the momentous occasion of The Undertaker sacrificing, symbolizing, crucifying, whatever you want to call it, yeah. what he did to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm sure we both got a lot to say about that. So tune in next week. And, of course, let us know what you thought about Capital Carnage 1998. Absolutely. And um, one thing I want to say before I say if you were there is that I appreciate you guys for um, agreeing with me that regular size crunch bars are better than fun size. So fun size, not for me. Well, it's only fun if you have like eight of them. So anyway, uh, appreciate I tried to get away with not bringing that yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to let that happen. So <laughs> anyway, if you were there, if you were in London, if you were one of these riotous UK fans there that night, um, let us know if some of you already have. But let us know. And otherwise, ladies and gentlemen and creatures of the night, hope you've enjoyed the ambiance. I am outside, so hopefully it sounds good and fun. And uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Well, folks, it's been a night to remember, but right now we are out of time. I'm Nick Diamond. I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm Johnny Gomez. On behalf of all of us here at Celebrity Deathmatch, good fight, good night.